Dimelang Avusheni and hello hi Mzanzi, Nolutan Ngakani here and welcome back to the Health for Mzanzi podcast. I'm here to walk through your shame with you as you seek answers to those scary questions you are too afraid to ask about in public. I've got you through all those uncertainties, achy bones and your heart's woes. We kick the show off on a heavy note with this letter from Anonymous in Durban. She writes, Until 2008, I had no idea HPV even existed. That was the year I was diagnosed with cervical cancer brought on by the HPV virus. I didn't know that 85% of sexually active people have HPV. I didn't know it spread through sexual skin-to-skin contact. I didn't know that HPV causes cervical cancer in about 8% of infected women. I sure didn't know that I'd have a giant scar that takes months to heal, not to mention the chemo. Part of me wishes I would convey to everybody how horrible cancer treatment is so you would be properly frightened of it. It's months and months of pain, misery and fear. Please spare your children that experience. Anonza, my heart goes out to you. Our guest this week is Paul-based gynae Dr. Michelle Bryan, who answers all of our questions on HPV vaccination for adolescents. Why does my child need an HPV vaccination? Just to start at the beginning, the reason why we are encouraging children to get an HPV vaccination is because of the threat of HPV. It is an international problem and we want to help people to prevent a problem. So what specifically am I talking about? HPV is the acronym for human papillomavirus. There are about 100 different types of them. And what they do is that they cause warts. There are a few of them that are high risk and a few that are low risk. And the ones that we are more concerned about are the higher risk ones. So specifically number 16 and number 18, and there are about five others that are high risk. So essentially what they do is that they can cause cancer. The areas where they can cause cancer, if you're exposed to them, is the cervix, the vagina, the vulva, the anus, the penis, the back of the throat. So what the idea of the HPV vaccine is, is that it is a form of prevention so that if somebody's exposed to it, it cannot progress to a cancer and it's been shown to be highly effective. The question on why we expose children is because the best timing for giving the vaccination is to give it to somebody pre-being exposed to the HPV. HPV is transmitted through sexual contact, not necessarily penetration, but any form of contact. So it is before they have their sexual debut. The age of sexual debut is different in different areas. And we're not saying that kids are sexually active at that age, but the idea is before they're exposed to any kind of contact with HPV is to get vaccinated to protect them long-term from the devastating consequences of HPV. When we think of HPV, we think of it as a sexually transmitted disease so it was a bit confusing as to why we're targeting kids first but now it makes sense obviously so if you look at the who and what they recommend is that it's anything from 9 to 14 the ages so that's where it is difficult it is a sensitive topic but that is the safest time they're not too small they're not too old and you want to catch them in a good period where they also understand what's going on and then the school vaccinations they've just That's where they've decided it's the best timing in South Africa to give it. 
And then what diseases are caused by HPV? So as I mentioned at the beginning, the specific thing that we know and we recognize is the genital warts. So that is a, a round bump that you can find in different areas. And like I said, they're different types. So the one that we usually see is the number 16, number 10. So those are low-risk HPV. And you can see them on different areas. So the finger, the mouth, the nose, some people have them on their face. Those are not necessarily transmitted sexually. So it's not exclusive to sexual contact. So if you see somebody with a wart now, you mustn't think they were doing something suspicious. That is generally one that we know. But then the other ones that we're talking about is the HPV that can affect any tract. So the throat, the vaginal tract, the penis, the anus you might not necessarily see something. So the concern there is that it's a disease that's hidden. It might be microscopic and that your body can get rid of it. So you won't necessarily see something with a wart. So it's a cauliflower looking small bump. They can raise in different areas or you might not see anything at all. And that is actually the danger of it is that you can't necessarily see it. So having a partner that might expose you to it, you won't necessarily be able to identify it. And then, as I mentioned, it can cause that. You can be completely asymptomatic. It's not necessarily associated with pain or a discharge. And then the long-term consequences, if you are for some reason immunocompromised or your body's just not strong enough, is that it can predispose you to the later stage of becoming a cancer. So not all HPV exposure results in cancer, but long-term, some people are predisposed to developing into a cancer. So HPV does not equal you going to cancer. And even if you are vaccinated, can you still get HPV? So the international data is showing that you can be exposed to it, but you won't necessarily contract it. So it does protect and it's very effective. And the long term of it is that about 12 years. So HPV vaccination does not mean that you must stop going for a pap smear for screening, but it definitely shows very good cover. And the data is showing that long-term it actually does protect, but we need more time to show that it covers you for the rest of your life. But so far they can show at least 12 to 15 years. And then we still encourage screening to make sure. How do you know HPV vaccination works? That comes from trials. So like anything, it has to be tried and tested and proved. So before it came to South Africa, it came in internationally in a couple of countries with thousands and hundreds of thousands of women and over a long period of time. So we are 50 years later in the conversation, or it's a little bit less than that, and how they looked. And as you know, we have screening programs. So we can test for HPV, we look for pap smears. Like I mentioned, the consequence is cancer. So there's been a significant decrease in cervical cancer in a lot of countries that started much earlier with their programs, children and exposure rates. So they actually went and tested if they have HPV because you can actually test for HPV to see if residually it's still there or not. The long-term consequence, time and testing for it shows that it actually works. So we're lucky because we're not in the trial phase. We're in the proven it works and we know what the side effects and long-term effects are. Why do boys need HPV vaccination as well? So as mentioned, it's sexual contact. So it's not exclusive to girls. The idea is that anybody that's exposed to it, as I mentioned, it's not exclusive to the vagina or the cervix. It actually can be penis or anal. If you think we have a very wide variety of contact, that it also can protect them. The easier with the boys is that you can see it. And the limitation in South Africa is that it's a limited resource, unfortunately. But the idea would be for boys and girls both to get protected, to protect each other, 
and themselves long-term from getting it. So it would be a good idea long-term for boys and girls both to receive it, to protect themselves and to protect each other, independent of what kind of relationship you are. It's not exclusive one day, boy, girl, there are lots of different wonderful ways that you can explore uh, your sexuality and it would be good to just protect yourself and your partner, whatever that might be. We've also seen like a rise in HIV and AIDS infection amongst young girls, especially. How can sexual education sort of help bring down those cases? Because I know like South African schools are not very big on sexual education, but is there a way that like introducing sexual education in schools can already like sort of protect and guide, you know, curious teens on sexually transmitted infections? So that is one of my passions and something I think that we need urgently in South Africa is the fear of talking about something. Children are exposed to things on social media and we are naive if you think they don't know. And they're in a period of their life where their peers influence how they feel and expose them to things. So I think as a community, not just as parents, as the education, as doctors, as anybody, an auntie, a sister, a cousin, a friend, is to talk about it. We're so scared to say big words. We are scared to admit that they're going to be exposed to sex. And you think that your children or adults are not involved with sexual contact, and they are. And I think what we should do is explain to them, you don't have to be graphic, but it is about having choice. It's not just about a physical act, the emotional, social circumstances, so that they make an informed decision and a protected decision. If they know about condoms, if they know about having the power to say yes or no about choosing to do what they do, about the consequences of what they do, whether it is not falling pregnant or protecting yourself from HIV or an STD, or just the choice of having sex is very important. And I think that we should include it in schools. I think that people should be allowed to talk openly about it. Social media should be, I think, guided because there can be lots of exposure that's not monitored. And then to encourage youth to help us, younger people speak better to younger people. So to guide and help and have an open inner conversation and answer questions in a protective place where you're not shunned or shouted at for wanting to explore your body and what your needs are and interests. I can remember back to when I was a teen, most of my sexual education came from word of mouth and that's mm. more harmful than getting the right information from people who are actually the health practitioners who know the I don't want to say science but the risks involved with experimentation yeah and it's as a society I think we are quite conservative because we want to protect our children and our young adults and ourselves and I think talking about it doesn't make you a bad person. And I think that's what people need to accept from the beginning. If I think about all the questions that I get as a doctor from young women that eventually feel comfortable to ask me about their sexual health, we don't talk about enjoying sex either. So it's a fearful thing. Don't do it. Hide it. I mean, it shouldn't be. I was very fortunate as a young woman that my mom was very open about it. She didn't say go out and have sex, but she said have it responsibly, have a partner that you can enjoy it with. You need to be safe. The consequences of an STD, about a pregnancy, are you ready for that? Because those things you left behind with. And if we start there and people accept it, I think it will make a big difference. And to ask questions. A couple of months ago, there was a girl who trended on TikTok 
she gave a breakdown of how much it costs to birth a baby in a private hospital and it was almost like 80,000 rand. Um, which is best for women? Is a cesarean section or natural birth best for um giving birth in a South African hospital? Yeah. My honest opinion on that is that whichever way you get your baby out the safest. There is no reward for pushing out a baby. There is no reward for cutting out your baby. It is all about the health of the mother and the baby. So yes, we do encourage normal deliveries, but we also do cesarean sections if they are necessary and warranted. And one size doesn't fit all. So we would definitely encourage vaginal delivery if it's feasible um, and it's acceptable to the patient. And then from there, you quantify risk and see is there an indication to rather cut a season to be safe? And there's a lot of social structure attached to it. A lot of women are devastated if they have to have a Caesar, and it's actually completely indicated. So it's a very loaded question. But in states, I fortunately have the luxury of only doing what's best for the patient. And if the best option is a vaginal delivery, a normal vaginal delivery, that's fantastic. But if it's better to do a season than you go for that, I don't think it makes you less of a mom or care for your baby. I think their bonding, it doesn't affect. It's just about a healthy 10 toes and a healthy 10 fingers. I love that. Uh, my sister gave natural birth once and then the last two were cesareans. And she got infected twice. So that's why I say it doesn't fit. And it doesn't mean if you delivered normally the first time that a caesar is you know not going to happen uh, three out of four women will deliver normally without a problem and one out of four for whatever reason will end up with a cesarean section i was fortunate enough to have vaginal deliveries without complications but my mom and my sisters were both caesars because the babies were the wrong way and one of us got stuck it really just depends there's no shoe that fits everybody and when people ask me my preference i personally don't have one I just think the baby must be healthy and that depends. And really it's an individual special experience and it doesn't take away from giving birth. Giving birth doesn't mean it comes out your body bottom or top. It means the baby is yours. You're great for nine months. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Health Home Zanzi podcast, Dr. Michelle. Now, if you are looking for more on our conversation on HPV vaccination, visit healthformzanzi.co.za. And dear friends, remember, if you are in a medical bind or just looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. Alternatively, you can hit us up on WhatsApp on 063-633-0628. I would never blue tick you, babes. The HPV or human papilloma virus vaccine is recommended for girls and boys. It will help to protect them from HPV-related cancers and genital warts. Dr. Michelle did emphasize that prevention is better than cure. The vaccine has the best chance of protecting against infection if a person gets a series of shots before becoming sexually active. That brings us to the end of episode 82 of the Health from Zanzi podcast. From me, Lulu Nakani, have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.